Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Calder's Calling, AHL News Now's flagship podcast and your premier podcast destination for everything surrounding the American Hockey League. I am Corey Swartz and I am joined by Dina Weinheimer and Jay Forrester. Guys, Merry Christmas. Welcome to the end of the year show. How are you guys feeling? Happy holidays. Extremely festive. I'm ready. I am ready for the holidays. Yes, same. We love Christmas. Yeah, it's hard to believe we're recording this on Tuesday. It's less than a week until Christmas, and I believe this is our end of the year show as well. So we're going to be talking about a variety of uh, giving out our different uh, end of the year awards, the the Collies, as we're calling them. And uh, we're also going to be joined by a special guest, Patrick Williams, who contributes on theahl.com amongst uh, several sources with many great feature pieces. But before we kick things off, if you're not already subscribed to us on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube, do so now. If you're currently watching on YouTube, please feel free to like, share, and subscribe so you can get every episode straight into your feed. And I'd also like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Document Doctors. While they're not on the ice, they can help you and your business optimize and increase your revenue and profits to a, a bigger slice Check out documentdoctorsllc.com and don't forget to mention that AHL News Now sent you to them. So we'll go right along here and start off with our quick hits. Just like a check into the board, we're going to hit you with some uh, some facts and information from the week that was um, AHL hockey. So, uh, Jay, I think you have something to start us off with. Uh, yeah, let's let's take a quick trip up north to the Toronto Marlies. Forward Dylan Gambrell uh, got named the Howie's Hockey Tape AHL Player of the Week. Uh, he had five points, including two goals and three assists in only two games and helped the Marlies earn two big road wins uh, as they try and make up some ground in the uh, in the North Division, which is a little bit like the Thunderdome this season, I feel like. And one player that's really helping uh, Toronto, other than Dylan Gambrell, is forward Alex Steves. He is currently on a 15-game point streak. Yes, 1-5 with 11 goals and 9 assists. So he's heating up right at the time that they need him to be. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of players heating up, the Washington Capitals recalled forwards Hendricks, LaPierre, and Ivan Miroshinichenko from the Hershey Bears on Tuesday. It would be the first NHL game for Miroshinichenko if he dresses on Wednesday. A former first-round pick of the Capitals, making his debut at just the tender age of 19 years old. And I'm going to have a highlight for you. This comes courtesy of the Cleveland Monsters. And just watch this very first pro goal for Justin Pearson. If you remember me talking last week, I was all excited about the teddy bear toss. Well, here we go. Teddy bear toss goal, first pro goal, and that unleashed an onslaught of stuffed bears, unicorns. I actually got pelted by a stuffed unicorn and a stuffed dog, I believe it was, in the press section. But new franchise record of a 16,100. And 12. So, Corey, I know that doesn't beat your Hershey Bears, but for Cleveland, an amazing showing. And yeah, I just wanted to show that. And you can see uh, former goaltender Brad Thiessen and then Monsters play by play 
uh, broadcaster Tony Brown getting in the action too. So it's it's fun when press becomes involved there. So good job, Little Monsters fans. I feel like scoring your first goal as a teddy bear toss goal has really kind of set up unreasonable expectations for how the crowd is going to react the next time you score. Like, is he going to expect 16,000 bears every single time he scores a goal? Um, because I put, I would. Um, but let's go Let's go over to the Central Division. Uh, Roxford Ice Hogs forward Logan Nyhoff was suspended for two games as a result of his actions in a game against the Iowa Wild on December 15th. Uh, served his suspension over the course of three games in as many nights for Rockford on an elbowing incident. So from highs to lows there with uh, teddy bears to suspensions. I can tell you from being in my fair share of teddy bear tosses, if you're not getting pelted by teddy bears on their way to the ice, you are not doing it right. So uh, great to see that from Cleveland. They got a good good uh, showing for their teddy bear toss. Um, we're seeing a, a few of those take place here across these uh, these last couple of weeks. I know it kind of caps off with Hershey's on January 7th, which we will be back to talk about in full swing here um, in the new year, which is great to see. So, Can I tell one is... unrelated teddy bear toss story? Um, Absolutely. Which is that my sure. team over here did one, but for a dog shelter. And so it was <gasps> a dog toy toss. Oh. Um, which was very sweet, but also very dangerous because dog toys are typically a little bit sturdier than stuffed animals. Um, I'm sitting right next to my dog Jasmine's uh, toy box of years. I'm crinkling. It's her toys. Uh, I can confirm they're usually very uh, sturdy with the squeakers and the stitching and all of that. So... As cute as it is, yeah, that would kind of hurt. Like, I'm just thinking, so I was, so last season I went as a fan and I sat third row because I wanted the whole experience. I'd never gotten that before. And I got pelted, like, yeah, it's fine. I was sitting in the media section. Normally you don't get hit by stuffed animals in the media section on Teddy Bear Toss. Got him, it's fine. But to have something like that hit me? No, <laughs> that would have hurt. Out there. Like it was really great and it was fun and we enjoyed giving them all to a local dog shelter. Um, but I did worry about the the uh, the well being of some of our players. Oh, hopefully they got enough into the ice that it didn't hurt too much. Mm -hmm. All right, our special guest for this week is Patrick Williams. He is top tier when it comes to coverage of the American Hockey League. He currently covers the AHL for NHL.com, theAHL.com, Sirius XM NHL Radio, and Rocket Sports. He's an Ellery Award winner. Now he's joining us here at the Calder's Calling Podcast to look back at this year that was 2023 in the league. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. And as always, it's great to to talk to you and we're just going to go ahead and look back at 2023. You know, there have been so many stories across the AHL from a super high energy all-star classic in Laval. Uh, who can forget the five hour sun delay in Cleveland for the outdoor classic. Then that instant, speaking of classic, you know, Calder Cup finals to the Chicago Bulls and the Carolina Hurricanes just doing away with that affiliation. But if you had to name the AHL story for 2023, what would it be? Well, I think 
it's probably a two-part answer. I would say the first would be the theme of the year was a return to normalcy, right? Because we all know like 2020 and 21 was pretty screwy. And even into 2022, like, remember we had the taxi squads returned. Um, you know, there was a lot of still kind of lingering effects of the pandemic. And, you know, the the, the player market was still pretty topsy-turvy. And, you know, there was a lot of change. Strahd Helson was still obviously um, kind of really finally getting to settle into the job after having, you know, walked into, you know, a mess you know, because of the pandemic. So this year felt normal for the first time since 2019, right? We, we had the all-star team. That was a great uh, start, I think, to the, to the year. Um, Laval put on a great show, uh, sold out buildings, uh, you know, for, for both nights for the event. Uh, you know, I think it really set a good tone for the league. And then, you know, you mentioned the um, Connor Cup final. I mean, that thing was a classic, right? And the, the wild part about that was how it started the first two games. And we're like, this could be anything but a classic. You know, yep. Christian got outscored 9 nothing on the road. You know, this is looking – I think if people were being honest, it was looking like it was going to be a very quick series. Uh, and then, my gosh, you got to give the Bears credit. They just kept battling, battling, battling. They went three at home. They have a chance to clinch game six on the road. They lose that. They're down two nothing in game seven late in the second. Come back tight, win it overtime. I mean, that's like a storybook, uh, you know, ending, obviously. And then just they've really kept going ever since right now. Another top of the league again. They had a great summer uh, kind of reloading. And uh, here we are, you know, and you mentioned the Wolves, obviously. And that. That uh, saga, so that's been obviously uh, quite the story. So it's been, yeah, it's been a nice kind of, I mean, return to normalcy slash, you know, you know, a few curveballs, you know, and the Wolves would probably be the biggest one of all. You know, just uh, never thought we would see a independent team in 2023. Like that's old school AHL from way back in the day, uh, kind of uh, making a return. To kind of piggyback off that, you mentioned a you know number of different markets, uh, just in you know that you know recap of last year and some of the stuff that stands out. I know you get to you know travel around. I see you in Hershey a lot of times mm-hmm. here uh, naturally, and you know, do you have any markets stand out to you as you know truly unique and um, that you've enjoyed the most, possibly whether it be you know the city itself, like Coachella Valley, you know, kind of having their new team, or you know the team itself, you know, in some tried and true markets like Hershey. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a weird lead in that sense. Like there's so many, like, there's kind of like a market for everybody, right? If you like the old school, like rough and tumble, you know, like old time towns, like you got like a Utica, you you know, uh, you got, you got uh, like a Springfield, right? And you got kind of that, that mid tier that I call like the triple A markets. That's your Lehigh Valleys, your Rochester's you know, Providence, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, and then you kind of had like this whole new tier that came in back in 2015 and, you know, subsequent, you know, like obviously the California teams and then Coachella Valley came in last uh, year. And I mean, for one, that was such a long road that they had. They announced it in September of 2019. Um, pandemic hit, their original arena, arena plan kind of fell through. 
they had to completely repivot, uh, get a whole new arena deal built, you know, like, and then they built this, like, I mean, gorgeous building. And, you know, it, it's just such a unique market, right? Like you're in Palm Springs, uh, you know, which is like this old time Hollywood, you know, city where like all the like Frank Sinatra's and all those people used to retire and have second homes and that sort of thing. Uh, but then you got a lot of like, you know, it's a growing market and it was their first pro team in 30 years. Uh, so they had never had their own team. They always were kind of like a, a market that, you know, well, okay, we follow the LA teams or we follow San Diego. Uh, they finally had their own team, um, beautiful facility. And uh, they just came in and, and just, I mean, like set the lead on fire. Right. And, you know, the, the five playoff rounds they go through, uh, facing elimination, uh, you know, more than once, take it all the way to game seven. At that point, it was a toss-up. Um, but, I mean, kind of a dream year of all but winning the cup, I guess, uh, for Coachella. It's just such a unique market. It's a beautiful place. I mean, you see, like, the players want to live there. I mean, you know, it's beautiful weather. I mean, you. I found when I was out there for the first time, all I do is I'm just, like, looking around everywhere, right? Like, there's mountains everywhere. You know, it's like your classic – when you think of California, it's kind of what you think of, right? And it's just uh, it's been a huge success for the league. And, you know, it really, like, the league is on a, on a pretty good roll in terms of bringing in some of these new markets and um, having a pretty good run of success there. We talked a little bit about, um, like, stories through the mm -hmm. year that have been really, like, fun and you've enjoyed. But I sometimes feel like there's sometimes more fun in the stories that you haven't quite figured out a way to tell yet mm -hmm. um have you got anything like fun in the works have there any has there been anything that happened this year that you like haven't been able to devote time to yet that you really want to yeah i mean that's like a constant uh kind of battle just you know like the schedule and the games it comes so fast right like we all know like i mean it's two three games a week you know and then i'm covering the whole league so like i just it's like trying to drink you know from a fire hose almost like where you know you just you know, I, I, you know, like a typical Friday or Saturday night, right? Like there's what, 12 to 14 games on any given week. And, you know, like you just get this like volume of information come in. Um, so I, what I have been trying to do this year is really start to look at some of the, like two things, like the community side of things, which I think is a very undercovered part of this league. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of opportunities, uh, you know, for, for teams to really kind of get involved. Like we've seen, you know, like there's obviously the kind of the standard, like things like hospital visits and, and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, some teams doing some pretty unique, um, you know, uh, outreaches, you know, that like, and the players get into it. Like, that's the cool thing, right? Like, you know, I mean, I think people might be a little surprised to hear that, um, you know, the players really, um, they enjoy it. Um, and, so that's the first part. And the second part is really just more of the, like the, the human interest side of things, right? Like players come and go so fast in this league. Like you almost feel like you blink and you miss them. And, you know, you, you barely get to know them as players, like on the ice, let alone kind of the personalities and, and that side of things. So really been trying to dig into that more. I don't have um, anything, you know, too specific yet, but, um, you know, I think, you know, like an example of that would be like a Dennis Bond be getting into the Hall of Fame. Like, you know, real like a guy, like people just think, okay, that was just a guy that, you know, put up a lot of penalty bits. But like he went into Wilkes-Barre, a market kind of like Coachella way back 
1999 that had no history of hockey um, build an arena, like after a long battle. Um, and he, he really helped build that market up from scratch. Um, you know, he was like kind of the face of the franchise for the first few years. And, um, so yeah, some of those stores are really cool. And then obviously I think the last part of that would be some of the old time, um, guys, you know, like been able to dig into that a little bit, you know, like people that really kind of like built the league. I mean, it's kind of like now you think of it as prospects of development, but you know, back in the fifties, sixties, even in the seventies, uh, there are a lot of people that, you know, um, you know, the league one at one point got down to six teams in the mid seventies and had to kind of rebuild itself almost from scratch. Um, and you know, you know, now obviously it's a 32 team league, but, uh, there, there was obviously a lot in between then and now that helped get it to that point. Yeah. You were just talking about some of, you know, the different initiatives and stuff. And one thing I love to see, I know the NHL does um some of this or at least some of the nhl players do where each player will kind of have their own little thing like in yep. cleveland i know there's um captain brendan gons granted he's up with the columbus blue jackets right now but he just started an initiative called points for pause where mm -hmm. for every point that he scores this season he and his wife heidi are going to donate a hundred dollars to the cleveland mm -hmm. ohio or the cleveland animal protective league and then the monsters are kind of backing him on that they're going to showcase adoptable animals mm -hmm. all season long. You know, I just love stuff like that where it's truly focused to an interest of the player, but giving back to the community at the same time. Yeah. You know, like you mentioned Cleveland, I think it's a great example. They're probably right at the top of the league in terms of what they do community wise. Like I think back to last year, um, do you remember that um, promotion they had with uh, the Cleveland hospital? Uh, Cleveland University yes. Hospital, I should say, where they, they, you know, they worked with the kids and they hand painted the jerseys. I mean, that They're was such doing a, it like, again. I never seen that before, right? Like, you know, like, and you know, like they put the video up. The kids are just like beside themselves, like getting to, you know, obviously kids are going through, you know, some real tough health struggles, and um, you know, they're you know they're getting to sit, you know, like it doesn't even matter that it's a professional hockey player. It's right. It's just like. You know, when you're a young kid, right? Like anybody older is kind of cool, and you know, like yeah. spending the time with them, and like you know, then they they get to see their jersey, you know, kind of their handwork on the ice, and you know, it's really neat. Like you know, like you know, really creative. I think that's the other thing that I'm noticing. Like teams are really kind of like really pushing some of the boundaries in terms of you know, like trying some different things, and I that's what I think is really cool about this level. Like the NHL, it's obviously. A lot more difficult to do different types of promotions here like it's a little bit more like anything goes you know like um you really can kind of like uh get creative and you know like i can't imagine the nhl you'd be able to like have hand-painted jerseys but you know down you know at this level it's kind of like hey if uh if you can make it work then go for it well what was so cute is for a lot of those kids it was just a fun arts and crafts project yeah right with <laughs> A fun person and they're doing something similar i don't think they're doing the exact same type of, of mm -hmm. promotion but they are partnering back up for some kind of uh specialty theme night um but it's i don't think it's going to be those those hand-painted uh nameplates yeah. unfortunately but, but uh, you know those um, kids will remember that you know years you know in the future right like they're certainly their parents will you know their family like you know like this that you know like hey you know this person came in and spent time and yeah it's just you know like you know you think like 
And that's, I think, a really important thing, you know, really in hockey in general and, you know, maybe specific to the league is, like, building the next generation of fans, right? Like, you know, that's when you kind of, like, really get kids into hockey, right? Like, when they're kids, like, you know, like, it sort of sets the the habits for the rest of your life sometimes. And I think it's, uh, you know, you know, aside from, obviously, you know, the community benefits also just, you know, in terms of building the next generation of fans, I think it's really good that they do that. Not just fans, but players too, with a lot of those, sure. yeah. those outreach programs. Yeah. Like, so, you know, like, like for, I'll give you an example, like in Coachella Valley, right? Like they're, they're doing like a ball hockey, you know, like a street hockey type program. And, you know, like, you know, they go out to different schools and, you know, like they bring the, the plastic pucks and the plastic sticks and, you know, for kids that like, it never, you know, played hockey at all. It's like their first, you know, kind of that first taste of it. And like, you know, and then all the other stuff can come later in terms of learning to skate and all that, but just, yeah, getting people familiar with the sport and, um, you know, learning to kind of enjoy it just like any, anybody else has. So looking between the end of the 2022-23 season and now the beginning of, you know, the 2023-24 season, have there been any teams or players that have caught your attention either positively or maybe not so much yeah um dustin wolf i think would be right off the bat i mean that kid well i mean what a story like seventh round pick i think he was picked six spots before the last pick of the draft comes in like back-to-back goalie of the year he was the mvp last year as well first guy since 2004 to do it you know in terms of you know a goalie um you know I think back to him at the all-star game with him and uh, Lucas Dostal. Uh, and that kind of like, you know, I guess that friendship they struck up, right? Like division yeah. rivals and, you know, like you know, two guys that are going to be, oh, I mean, Dostal's already on this, you know, in the NHL and Wolf, I think is right. He's right there. Um, you know, like just what a, what, what a like way to burst onto the scene, you know, and it's, uh, you know, this, this kid that really like, you know, like he keeps being underrated and yet he keeps coming out and just like, like, you know, just outshining everybody. So like, that's, that's the cool thing. Right. Like, you know, and then like the flip side as I think of someone like Adam Krakno out in Henderson, 38 years old, oldest player in the league. Um, it's nice to see somebody, you know, above age 30 in this league. Um, you know, he's off to another great start back to back 20 goal seasons. He's kind of making his tour of the Pacific division. He was in Bakersfield. He went to Tucson. Now he's in Henderson. Um, and just kind of those guys are the backbone of the league in a lot of ways. Like they're the ones that are really, you know, they're on the AHL deals and they really buy in. They set the tone for the prospects. Uh, they do all the community work. Uh, you know, they really, you know, they obviously leadership, so those are kind of the, the those are the types of players I really like to associate with the league. Patrick, we were, we were talking about like you know some of your stories, like some of your ideas, even just going back a little bit. Like I always find it fun when I go on the AHL's website. You know, you get to see the latest from Patrick Williams. Mm. You know, that it's constantly getting new articles on there. Have there been any uh, pieces you've done this year that you would say were you know your favorites or you know your a personal one for you that you know you. It stands out when you think about like, you know, your body of work from this year. 
Yeah, well, you know, the the one that really stands out is like a very, really sad one. And that's the one with Wilkes-Barre Scranton with uh, the intern, uh, Julia Mazur. And, you know, 20 years old, she, you know, what, I mean, it was such a wild story. Like she, she was just a hockey, a huge hockey fan. And she was looking like to make a little extra spending money and, you know, like just kind of get her foot in the door. Age 14, she goes there and, you know, says basically I'll, I'll do whatever kind of work you need. You know, she gets a job on the ice crew, works her way up, you know, really impresses everybody in the front office. Uh, you know, was, uh, it, starting, you know, the internship, that was the plan in the marketing department, you know, like there was every intention, I think down the road that or an expectation that she'd be, you know, somebody that probably like, you know, would be an executive in this league at some point. Right. You know, I'm just a 20 year old kid and, you know, four months ago, five months ago in July, you know, she gets diagnosed with stage four cancer and you're just like, I mean, you can't imagine, right? Like that kind of, um, you know, like ton of bricks just falling on somebody and um, remarkable strength. That was the thing that really, really struck with me, uh, like speaking with her, like, you know, there was like this just determination and then just obviously, you know, you know, it looked like, you know, you know, she was talking so optimistically and just unfortunately just with the, the, the nature of the disease and, um, you know, she, she kind of took a bad turn and she passed away last month. But, you know, that was that was a really intense story to write. Like, you know, you, you, you obviously any story you write, you, you put your best into. But like, that's one that like you feel that much more like I got to get the story just right. And so, you know, that was, uh, that was pretty, it was a pretty intense, um, you know, situation, obviously, and, you know, but I think in general, the hockey fights cancer thing, we're really proud of, um, you know, all the work obviously around the lead, we see, you know, like the, the, the different theme nights and stuff. And then like, it was cool to be able to kind of bring that onto the website, you know, this past uh, March too, we did the kind of the women you know, in hockey series around the AHL, like we hit like all kinds of different roles, like, you know, whether it's PR, officiating, uh, front office, you know, kind of a little bit of everything, um, trainers, broadcasters, you know, really kind of like tried to spotlight, like, hey, you know, because I remember when I started, I mean, you didn't see women really, you know, in any types of roles around the league, you know, and, um now you're seeing them like running teams and you know like on the ice you know like so it's like the message of kind of like hey like you know if you're you know if you're a young uh fan looking to break into the game like hey there are a lot of different avenues to go and you know like different approaches you know depending on whatever your skill set and your interests are uh, to really like you know not just be a hockey fan but like make a career out of it and, uh, you know, so that was really cool. I think everyone really bought into it. Like, you know, I always say like, you know, stories on these goods, the people that you're writing about, like if they're not, they're not really into it, it's not going to be a great story, but you know, like they were all really, uh, fired up to do it. And, you know, I think, you know, that really reflected in, uh, you know, what we were able to put out. Let's kind of just finish up with, um, kind of more of a, a, a silly question, I guess. Okay. Um, Who's your way too early pick to win the Calder Cup this season? <laughs> well, see, like I always say, like 
this league will really make you look silly, right? Mm -hmm. Because like you think you have a good beat on things and you know, then like NHL trade deadline just like either, you know, decimates your turns team, the team yeah. upside down, or like last year you see like a Hartford that was like barely, you know, you know, staying in the race and then like bunch of moves at the deadline and they came in and like, you know, really did some damage down the stretch. Uh, right now I would go with Hershey. Like that's a team. I just, this league is so tough, right? Usually it takes like half a season to kind of get your team in place. Just personnel wise, system wise. You have Todd Nelson though. Like by about, I'd say mid November, they looked like a team that like they had things pretty locked down. Um, obviously there's tons of talent there, but, it's beyond that. It's like the Todd Nelson factor, you know, like that guy just wins everywhere and he gets the buy-in from his team right away. How he's not in the NHL is beyond me to be quite honest, but Hey, I guess Hershey will, you know, will certainly take the benefit of that. And uh, so they're a team that's really impressed me. Like real, like, you know, I was, what I like to see with them was like, like they never settle. Right. Like they, they won the cup last year. They could have kind of like coasted on that with the fan base for a year or two, you know, you know, like, but no, they went out, they reloaded, you know, they brought in guys like Chase Prisky, you know, uh, you know, like really, you know, filled in some of the gaps in their lineup. So uh, they're a team that's really impressed me. Um, they, I, I think at this point, um, you know, again, with the caveat, it's way too early that, you know, only they, I think, you know, like can really beat themselves. Like sometimes they, 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 uh, they stumble, but like you'd have a guy like Nelson. He just always seems to like, all right, you know, get back on the horse and keep going. And like, you know, that's why you don't see her. She tend to go on these like, you know, long slides that maybe some other teams do. They're just going to double down with that sweet, you know, sweeter by the dozen <laughs> type thing. They got to get the baker's dozen to make it all fit right. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's, some, uh, that's some good marketing uh, uh, know-how there. I was going to say. I've taken a couple classes. <laughs> I was going to say, I know they couldn't play that Mike Vecchioni goal like at any, every stoppage. And, you know, if they weren't so great, they could totally placate me every single time just because that, yeah. that goal is legendary. Honestly, it was fantastic. I've never heard a building go from like, so loud you couldn't hear yourself think to like dead silence in like a second you know like that building was just i mean it was one of the most intense buildings i've ever, ever been in that game seven i mean really both buildings throughout that whole series were fantastic like great fan bases but like game seven was just i mean you know where you sit in the press box is kind of like right it's right in the seating area pretty much and you know i mean those fans were just <laughs> i mean just crazy. And then just that Vecchioni goal, it looked like it was more or less a broken play. And, you know, boom. And just like, it's like the air went right out of the building, you know. So, I mean, but a fantastic series, two fantastic teams. You really could have at that point, I think, flipped a coin. Um, you know, somebody had to lose. So, uh, but yeah, that was uh, just an amazing series. One of those things, just when you think you've seen it all. Uh, yeah, right. You know, yeah. For sure. Even, even as a, you know, for me covering Hershey, like, you know, you think you've seen it all 12 cups, you know, they went back to back, you know, it's, it's been a little while, but you know, you think you've seen it all. And then something like this team comes along where it was just kind of, you know, 
something special after something special. And like you said, Todd Nelson is mm-hmm. such a fantastic coach. You know, we're kind of, I think, thanking our lucky stars every time he does go behind the bench, just because we've yep. seen a lot of, you know, coaches go to the NHL and things like that. He's such a fantastic guy. Yeah. Hershey's had such a good run, like with him, you had Scott Nelson or Scott Allen before you had obviously uh, Carberry, you had Troy Mann, like, you know, obviously then you go back to like, you know, Boudreau even like, you know, going way back early in the affiliation, like, you know, like the thing with Hershey's like, they were a good team you know, for much of last season, but they were certainly not the best team in the league, you know, for, but like, they were one of the, like, and, and, you know, to kind of like bring it to Cleveland, like they reminded me a lot of like Lake Erie in 2016. Like they just kept getting better bit by bit by bit. And then by the end, they were, they were clicking. Right. And like, they were at that point that difficult to stop. Um, and that's kind of what they, like, they didn't peak too early. Like that was, that was a really like, and then, you know, by, you know, Obviously, once the playoffs rolled around, and they got tested pretty, pretty significantly by Rochester, for example, like that was a tough series. Um, and then obviously, then they go to Coachella, and they're like, you're like, whoa. I mean, Coachella, those first two games, I mean, they looked like you know, like a whole other level. You're like, wow, you know, like you know, Coach. I mean, I had seen a lot of Coachella last year, and even against you know some of the other teams, like I didn't see them ever play that well. And then they just come against Hershey, they were just flying. And then, you know, to see them, you know, see Hershey push back. It was just, it was like a great, like, you know, 15 round fight, right? Like it's just back and forth, back and forth. Two great opponents, um, both really just kind of like giving everything they had. And, you know, just, uh, you know, great storylines, great coaches. Dan Bilesma, obviously on the other side, um, you know, really good personalities as far as both teams and really cool fan bases. And then obviously I think the, the contrast of like the oldest team in the league, the most storied team in the league, and then kind of like the new upstart team, you know, the new kid on the block coming in and like, you know, had, you know, kind of that, that swagger and came in and just, yeah, it was from a writing standpoint, it's like anything, everything you could have ever, ever asked for. Right. Like it was just, it was almost like, you know, like I don't, I, I don't have enough space. I don't have enough like, you know, to, to, to handle everything here, just like, you know, it's like the storylines are just like one after another. Yeah, you could truly pick from anything in that series. But Patrick, I'll, we'll, uh, we'll let you go here on this one. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We'll always appreciate having you on to, you know, share some of your knowledge with us here. And uh, yeah, again, thank you for, for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Before we get to our next segment here, Is your business growing beyond the four walls of your office? As businesses grow, so do the challenges of keeping people trained, safe, and supported. Document Doctor is a proud sponsor of the Calder's Calling podcast, and AHL News Now offers affordable solutions to help optimize your business and keep the good times rolling. They offer content-focused solutions such as training, document creation, back back office process optimization, policy, and procedure development, as well as much more. Support the podcast and AHL News Now by visiting them at documentdoctorsllc.com. And don't forget to mention us when talking to their team of contentologists. Shop and support small businesses today. All right, we will move right along to our next segment, which is our end-of-the-year special that we are calling The Collies. So we're going to kind of each take uh, take our respective divisions here 
and kind of give them a superlative uh, to kind of encapsulate their year as best as we can uh, while talking about as much as we can. And uh, I guess I'll get us kicked off here with talking about the Atlantic division. I came up with one for each team. It was not easy, but uh, I had a couple of good ones. I'm just going to get it out of the way here. We talked about just, you heard at the end of us talking to Patrick Williams here, the Hershey bears, they are the hottest team of the year award. It's no contest. I had no other metrics to really give any other team because Hershey kind of took them all uh, talking about this season in general, not to mention that, you know, just in general, the year 2023, they are the Calder cup champions. That never is a sentence that will get old for me to say. Um, they are, you know, leading the league in so many different metrics, you know, top of the league, obviously games played is a little bit of a factor in on that one there too. So, you know, I, I don't think there's anything else to call them other than just hot. You know, they, by all metrics. Biased. I, only slightly, slightly, only slightly, of course. Corey would never. How dare I you? would never, I would never. I was, you know, as I wear a, you know, sweatshirt that gives it away. Um, so, yeah, naturally I had no trouble giving that award out. For Bridgeport, however, I had a hard time coming up with one here that's, you know, a, a genuine, you know, compliment to them. So I'm calling them a teddy bear terror. So I'm going to, you know, rewind the clock back to January of 2023, an early one, um, when they shut out the bears on teddy bear toss night. They're teddy, teddy bear terror by, you know, denying a teddy bear toss. There hasn't been too much to talk about for Bridgeport, unfortunately. So, you know, we're kind of giving them, uh, you know, this is the best thing I could think of to come up with. And um, that's it. So for Wilkes-Barre Scranton moving right along here, I'm giving them the most frequent flyer award. Now, I know if you're a Penguins fan out there, me saying the word flyer is not a good thing for you right now. They Pittsburgh Penguins just lost to the Philadelphia Flyers a couple of times. You know, another W for Corey here on this, this segment of the show here. But I was talking about this in relation to their call-ups. Guys, I've seen a lot of teams go through call-ups. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago on the show. Wilkes-Barre is probably one of the hardest hit, if not the hardest hit teams in terms of recalls this season in the American Hockey League. The Penguins have just had this constant back and forth, uh, you know, well-trod road from Wilkes-Barre, Scranton to Pittsburgh across the state of Pennsylvania, more or less. Uh, Pittsburgh's had injuries. They've had personnel issues. They've had struggles. They've been kind of experimenting with different players from Wilkes-Barre. It impacted their season, you know, really to start off this year as it did last year where, you know, instability in Wilkes-Barre kind of led to some struggles. And, you know, you, you're hard pressed to find another team that's, you know, also including the Wheeling Nailers in on this because they've had to, you know, supply Wilkes-Barre with a lot of their talent just to field a, a complete roster. So the, the entire Pittsburgh organization here has, you know, seen some mileage here. That's for sure. And moving right along, I had another fun one here, with, which is the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, who I'm giving them the Vampire Award. Not because, you know, it, it plays in nicely with the theme of them being phantoms and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms are struggling this year. They are currently, as we speak, outside looking in on the playoff race in the Atlantic Division. Seventh and final team to not make the, the dance, so to speak. But if I'm a phantoms fan, it feels like the soul has kind of gotten sucked out of me in a sense. They competed hard enough to earn a spot in the playoffs last season did not get to actually have a game at PPL Center. They were dispatched in three games by the Charlotte Checkers of all teams, and due to the travel limitations there, none of those games happened in Lehigh Valley. 
And this is a team that, mind you, hasn't gotten a chance to host a playoff game since 2018. It's been a very, very long time for them. And, you know, you're you're thankful for what you get each year that, you know, since the pandemic that we have hockey and we have, you know, everything's kind of back to normal. But I, I do feel for them in the sense that this is a team that hasn't really gotten to enjoy some of the things, you know, like the teams like Hershey has, you know, Wilkes-Barre has, Providence, some of these other teams in the Atlantic. And I feel for them, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers are rebuilding. But, and, you know, when you usually say rebuild, you usually say, oh, good, we're going to start in the AHL and kind of work our way up here. But, like, you know, the all the suffering for Lehigh Valley, you know, they've had a couple of, you know, average teams to below average teams. It's built into what's been a pretty good season in Philadelphia, but it hasn't exactly translated to Lehigh Valley seeing a plethora of riches or anything quite like that. So to me, it's that's where the, the thought for vampire kind of comes in here. And moving right along here, Hartford Wolfpack, I give them the best rebound award. I remember talking about these guys at the beginning of the calendar year. They were down and they seemed to be out completely. It didn't seem like they had a prayer of making playoffs, you know, it seemed like maybe their best days were behind them, especially with some of the players they lost in the offseason over the summer. But they came back. They really surged back into a playoff spot and surprised a lot of people. Um, they unfortunately got swept out of the postseason by the Hershey Bears, you know, kind of en route for that. And they lost some key players, but they've continued to just rebuild and just keep going right at it. Um, this season, they are second place in the Atlantic, second place in the AHL as a whole going into this show and moving along the Springfield Thunderbirds here. I call them the biggest news only award. We talked a few weeks ago about how Springfield has had no movement, none, not a zilch Springfield hasn't been had a single thing happen to them from the St. Louis blues until recently when drew Bannister got promoted to the St. Louis blues to take over their head coaching duties. So only the biggest news comes out of Springfield in that respect, they also got Jacob Vrana back from the from the Blues in exchange, you know, in a couple of moves there. So it's only big news that really seems to come out of Springfield in 2023. Uh, for Charlotte, I'm giving them the most unusual schedule award. Now, Charlotte's kind of an anomaly in the Atlantic Division. They tend to be, you know, hot between, you know, multiple games on the road, multiple games at home, you know, just due to the distance factor, right? But this season, they were kind of a hard team to judge at first because they were playing Western Conference teams and not just Western Conference teams, but, you know, teams like San Diego, San Jose, you know, they were playing some unusual opponents, you know, for the Atlantic Division. I don't think that's ever been a thing before, but, you know, they must have been inspired by the Calder Cup Finals to, you know, make that a reality this season. And for Providence, I have a fun one for you guys. I call it the Ian Mitchell Award. I feel for this guy, man. I, I will. I would direct you guys to go to the transaction page on uh, the AHL's website and click under the Providence Bruins. I kid you not, as I'm pulling it up myself here, they have three pages of transactions. I swear that Ian Mitchell could take up one page all by himself. This guy has been yo-yoed from... Boston to Providence and back again. I'm looking at the stat list right now. I mean, this is within a couple of days here to start December off here. Ian Mitchell is up and down and up and down and returned, returned, recalled, returned, recalled. So I think he deserves his own award in and of himself just for just for this. And it's not just December. If you click on each one of those pages, he has an up and down section 
in in there somewhere you know you'll you'll you know it starts to become a pattern after a while here of like every month there's been an up and down section for a few days for him from uh boston to providence and back again so i feel like he deserves his own award for his body of work this season and you know blogging those frequent flyer i guess driver miles in this case for the providence bruins all right, and that is your collies for the Atlantic Division. Now we're going to move up to the North Division, which is the home of my beat teams, Cleveland Monsters. So it's definitely the the group of teams that I know best. And, you know, I didn't really have a set... <sighs> you know, any set way that I went about my grit or my uh, colleagues, but it's just, eh, you know, just whatever I could find interesting um, about each team. So I'm going to go in alphabetical order here. Um, just figured it was the easiest way to do it. We're going to start with the Belleville Senators. So for the Sens, they are getting the Consistent Kids Award. So they finished at 500 last season and they are 500 to start this one so if nothing else they're extremely consistent now for the cleveland monsters they had a massive rebrand this year um, over the summer showing it now if you're watching on youtube i'm sure you've seen these by now they are getting the they're looking hot, but they really need Shades Award. Just a little homage to that uh, five-hour-long sun delay um, back at the Outdoor Classic, which I will never get tired of talking of, even though I was extremely tired that day. So for Laval, I'm giving them, there is no I in team or in the words Laval or Rocket, because, well, it just seems like they're the type of team that seems to try to rely on, you know, one or two really good players, uh, Joshua Waugh, anybody, um, to really pull them through. And you can't do it with just one player. They can't just do it with just Joshua Waugh or Logan Mayu or, you know, Sean Farrell, Xavier Simino. They need everybody to contribute. And yeah, so... They get the No Iron Team Award. For the Rochester Americans, they get the Win Together, Lose Together Award. So despite being in the top four in the East for scoring in the 2022-23 season and in the top eight this season, uh, here's an interesting stat for you. No individual skater has cracked the top 20 in scoring for either season. So there's definitely scoring by committee. You know, there's no one goaltender that's like really standing out in terms of when you look at the overall league there. You know, so they're all they're all in this together. Um, for Syracuse, I actually reached out to my good friend and host of the Syracuse Speaks podcast, Alexandra Ackerman, to get her help with this one, because there are so many different ways that I could go with Syracuse. And so I said, Alex, I'm doing this podcast. Uh, I need help. I'm stumped. What award would you give them? So here's what I have from Alex. She is awarding um, 
and I'm co-awarding the Maybe It Was the Coach Award. So she says that for the last few years, Syracuse just hasn't been the same. The regular season was up and down with no real identity or gelling, and the team always fell short of expectations in the playoffs. So everyone's just been running around going, well, what's going on? Without really wanting to say it too loudly. You know, maybe it actually is the coach because it was Ben, ben Gruel, you know, that's who they're talking about with the coach, the guy who developed Stanley Cup champions and led the team back to the final round in the first year. But now you look at the roster this year, no real standout firepower. And it's just a blue line that's basically like four guys and they're performing the way they are. And it's like, maybe it was the coach. So they have an award named for that phrase. For the Toronto Marlies, uh, if you're watching YouTube, make sure you look back at your screen. This footage is courtesy of the Toronto Marlies on X. And they are going to be getting the, maybe you should stick to your day job uh, award. And of course, this is going to buffer on me. Great. So as you can see here, uh, a few of the Marley's players are trying their hand at making gingerbread houses. Uh, it doesn't really go too well for them. Um, they're kind of making a mess, but they're doing the best job that they can. So, but I got to give a shout out to the amazing uh, headband that the one player is wearing. So you can see they're having a good laugh. They're having a good time. That's all that really matters. So Guys, you're excellent hockey players, maybe not good construction uh, guys and engineers. So definitely stick to the day job. And then finally, the Utica Comets, they get the mixed bag awards. So this is one team that you really can never really count out. But far too often, the team has to scrape for every last thing they have from the multiple comeback wins in the playoffs. Who can forget that game two in the North Division first round against Laval, where Utica tied it with two seconds remaining, uh, went on to win in overtime. And now the recall of Nico Dawes to the NHL. There are so many highs, but also you just got to look at their record to realize uh, it's it's hard. It's hard. So with every up, there is a down. And you never really know what you're going to get with the Utica comments so that's the colleagues for the north division but uh we do want to share um something a brand new uh partner of the calder's calling podcast so guys we all know sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity and did you know you can actually bet in some places and with some sports books on the american hockey league i didn't realize that until uh, very, very recently. So having multiple sportsbooks accounts is the simplest way to maximize your profit, and there has never been a better time to sign up. So when you visit our link at signupexpert.com slash AHL, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region in the U.S. and Canada only. So if, you know, there's sportsbooks operating in your state or your province or your territory, you know, you'll get access to those along with the review of each platform and its unique benefits. 
All of these sports books have valuable sign-up offers for brand new users, and when you register through our link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one while also helping to support us. When you use multiple sports books, you ensure that you always access the best available odds, which obviously is key to successful sports betting. So if you want to take advantage of these benefits and support our podcast, please consider signing up for your next sport book at signupexpert.com slash AHL. Remember, you must be 21 or over, only valid in the U.S. and can in Canadian provinces where sports betting, where sports betting is legalized. Please gamble responsibly. Now we are going to go ahead and turn this over to the central and it's kind of going to be a grab bag here. So we each picked a few teams and I'm just going to start out with, uh, with two of them. So Chicago, the Chicago Wolves, what else can we say other than they are possibly the newsiest team of the year for better or for worse, you know, you go from being a, a defending Calder cup champion to, uh, you know, not doing so well the next season. And this past summer, you know, we already talked with Patrick about becoming unaffiliated and trying to put a team together, which not really working, although they did beat Manitoba six to three in a daytime game today on Tuesday, the 19th. And then we just had, um, we talked about it in last week's show with their head coach, Bob Nardella being suspended for what was it? 10 games due to comments. Um, so if there's anything else we can say about the Wolves is that they uh, they had a lot of news surrounding them. And for Texas stars, I'm giving them the is it finally their turn yet award. This team was top of the Central Division last season. They're top of the Central so far. Now, this season, they have two of the top-scoring talents in the league. I know what Patrick just said, but I have to wonder, is this finally going to be their season to take it all, or at least get into the finals? 2010 rematch, perhaps? <laughs> Let me guess, they faced Hershey? That's exactly what happened, and I like oh! the way that result went. Let me guess. Hershey won that one, huh? In six games, yes. It was a similar to this past year where the Bears actually lost both games at home before going to Texas and winning three straight and then coming back and winning at Giant Center in game six, a game that I desperately wish that I had been at. I just want to see this Texas team under Neil Graham just have something really good to show for all their in-season success. Absolutely. I think that they deserve to have a have a chance here. It's been a little while since the Stars captured the Calder Cup. I believe they ended up making that happen a couple years later in 2014. Okay, and then moving on, I do have one more actually for the Milwaukee Admirals. Sorry, Milwaukee fans, this isn't going to be specific to your team, but this is more of a, a nod to... Uh, our beat writer, Oliver Antone, that covers the Milwaukee Admirals for AHLnewsnow.com. And I'm giving him the SpongeBob Best Opening Line Award uh, because he wrote an article at the end of November about the Admirals and their identity. And the opening line to this was, SpongeBob lost something once. 
his identity. And I just thought that was the most hilarious opening line to a thing. And so for from now on, anytime I hear the Milwaukee Admirals, like in my head, I just go, I lost something once. <laughs> and so forever you'll be connected in my brain. Sorry it wasn't more in-depth than that, Milwaukee fans. He lost something he couldn't live without. My identity. That's, that's a great episode. As a professional SpongeBob quoter in everyday situations, I am 100% on board with this pick. So I'll, I'll take on one here. For, life, isn't it? Absolutely. I was about to say, as the, yeah, I, literally most of the Christmas gifts I bought for people are SpongeBob memes between you and me. So, uh, and the viewers here. Viewers already know. Um, moving along here, I have one for the Iowa Wild. I'm giving them the Jesper Wallstead Award because. He's a guy that we can't help but talk about on this show a lot of times. He's He's been excellent this season. Jay is the big goalie guy here. So, you know, we find ways to talk about him. He's been fantastic this season. And I think just kind of like Ian Mitchell, he deserves his own award to encapsulate the Iowa Wild this season. Yeah, it's actually in my contract that we have to talk about Jesper Wallstead like once per episode. Otherwise, um, I quit. <laughs> Um, just okay, really, I'll check you know, it off for this week. Okay, yep, we're go. good. We did it. Good job, team. <laughs> um, I'm going to give Manitoba an award, um, which is kind of an award that they share with their parent team, the Winnipeg Jets, which is um, I'm not convinced that Manitoba is a real place. And I do think that the Manitoba Moose might be the most made up team in, in, the, NA, in the AHL. Uh, I think they might be a PSYOP. Especially when you consider that they just lost six to three to the uh, Chicago Wolves, and I feel like allowing the Chicago Wolves to score six goals on you uh, means that you probably should be relegated to the ECHL. Sorry, Manitoba. So, Corey, you were telling us a story off air that you have to share with our listeners about Manitoba. Oh, yes, about the 2009 Calder Cup Finals. Uh, so back when the Bears and the Manitoba Moose met up for the Calder Cup Finals in 2009, there's this great story. I wish I could find a picture of it, and I've struggled to find one here for a little bit. But there was this moment where the camera panned to the fans, and there were five fans seated in a row that had letter signs that when they all held them up would spell out the word moose. And somehow I... I I felt terrible laughing, but the person who was holding the letter M messed up and was holding it upside down. So it spelled the word woose instead of moose. And uh, that was one I was right when I was really, you know, I was totally into hockey by that point. It was something that, you know, with the Bears winning the Calder Cup, in addition to that, it's just something you just don't forget. So shout out to the Manitoba woose that lives in infamy for me. I'm going to think about that for the rest of my life is the thing. Like I said, I wish I could find a picture of it. I mean, it was it was one of those things where, like, you know, we're watching, I believe it was on either a local broadcast when they were playing Game 5 in Manitoba. Oh, I believe it was Game 6, actually, when the Bears ended up winning. And that that was the sign. That was what they had. And I said, oh, the Bears by a mile now, honestly. Like, it was, it was one of those things you just can't make up. I was trying to find the picture of the Grand Rapids... Uh, Griffin's scoreboard when Manitoba came to town and they changed it from 
Moose to Meese. And I can't even find that. So I think we're probably out of luck on finding a, a Woose picture as this much as really I want to see this. specific Mandela effect, I think, is what it is. <laughs> right? Oddly specific. And then uh, finally, uh, speaking of Grand Rapids, um, I'm giving them the Prime Burger Flippers Award strictly just because of the amount of times that good old Johnny Burgers, Jonathan Bergeron, has been moved up and down this season. It's just, it's mind-blowing. Um, but yeah, they're tossing those burgers pretty well over there. Uh, are we moving to the Pacific Division now? Is it is it finally time to West Coast this up? I believe so. Finally. Have at it. Time. Um, it's your time to shine. <laughs> my time. This East Coast propaganda will not stand. I will not let it. Um, let's, let's start off with uh, the Ontario Reign, a team that I am still very fond of from the time I covered them a couple of seasons ago. Uh, and we're going to give them the Short Kings Award, uh, because A, I love a pun, uh, and B, I checked fully a third of their roster is under six foot, um, and they also have King of the Short Kings as their captain, uh, TJ Tynan, who uh, we love TJ Tynan on this podcast and at AHL News Now, and I felt we should honour all of the little guys that play for the Ontario Reign, because I love when a hockey player is just a little guy. Um, it brings me a lot of joy in in my heart. Um, and I have to find the joy in things like that because uh, I'm giving my own guys, the San Jose Barracuda, uh, the award for most disappointing because I feel like the season had so much hope and then it started and everything fell apart. Um, they have been inconsistent. They have been unlucky. They have been plagued by injuries and constant call-ups and send-downs. And they haven't really managed to get it going. Um, they have picked it up a little bit recently. Um, I believe, like, fully a third of their wins have come against the Calgary Wranglers, which is very funny. Um, they just swept them in a weekend series. But right now, I'm giving them the most disappointing award. Um, and in a similar note, let's talk about the San Diego Gulls. Uh, who are the saddest team in in the Pacific and maybe in the AHL. Uh, they just snapped, I believe, a 13-game losing streak, um, which is ungood, let's say. Uh, and I feel bad for Ducks fans and Gulls fans um, because I believe last season was the first time in quite a while where this, the NHL team and the AHL team at 32nd place in the league was the same franchise. So that's that sucks for them. Um, on more positive news, let's talk about the Coachella Valley Firebirds, who I have given best runner-up to. Obviously, the uh, Calder Cup, they were a goal away from winning it. Uh, they, they had the Bears right where they wanted them, and then, unfortunately, I think experience triumphed over youth in this in this case uh, but still getting to the Calder Cup finals in your first season is pretty dang impressive so uh I'm giving them the best runner up award um the Bakersfield Condors I am giving uh I've just written in the document here most cursed uh and I want to kind of tell you what I mean by this um 
I feel like there are a lot of cursed players that play for Bakersfield. Obviously, Sam Gagne was there for a little while, maybe one of the most cursed players in the NHL. Um, and also Jack Campbell uh, was was sent down where he then proceeded to uh, not play very well, despite the fact that he is on a very expensive, very long contract for the Edmonton Oilers. So I'm handing most cursed to the Bakersfield Condors. Uh, the Calgary Wranglers get most in need of a wolf because uh, Dustin Wolf is their MVP. And they suffer when he's not in the lineup. And uh, obviously a team is is more than one person. And, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about, you know, the Ian Mitchell Award and the Jesper Falstead Award. But uh, the Wranglers, I think, get the anti-Dustin Wolf Award, um, which is basically, it's, it's the, it looks exactly the same as the Jesper Falstead Award, but it's in, like, the opposite colors. Um, Tucson Roadrunners. Uh, the biggest positive surprise award for me. I don't know whether it's, again, like, lingering Arizona Coyotes thing, but I, I never expect the Roadrunners to be any good, and uh, they are doing... They're holding their own in a uh, surprisingly upside-down Pacific Division this season. So shout-out to the Roadrunners for making things work. Uh, Colorado Eagles, I'm going to give the biggest Why Are You Here? award not because they don't deserve to be in the ahl just because i always think that the pacific division is made up entirely of californian teams and colorado is very not in california and i always think it's in the central and then i remember that it's actually a pacific division team so they get the biggest why you here award um the abbotsford canucks i'm giving the funnest team award uh, I just, I enjoy watching their games. I think they've got a lot of really good players. They're another team that I wasn't expecting to be where they are in the standings. And I just, I think they're neat. Um, finally, let's finish things off with Henderson, which is uh, maybe the most, uh, I, I, this is the order who is the least arguable. Um, I'm giving them the worst helmets award because I hate those chrome monstrosities so dang much. They're distracting. They don't look good. I I dislike them intensely. Um, so a real mixed bag of awards there for the Pacific Division, uh, but I stand by every single one of them. Hey, we, we live for mixed bags here. Uniqueness is our specialty here. So we will take all those awards and congrats to everybody who won an award. Uh, we hope you like it this year. Um, but that's that will do it for this week's edition of Calder's Calling, the last in 2023. Uh, we will have written coverage of the AHL over at AHL News Now throughout the rest of the year. I'm sure we'll have lots of uh, year year end articles going up here uh, very soon. So please check us out on AHLnewsnow.com. You can follow us on Twitter at AHLnewsnow as well. Please also subscribe and rate the podcast. Share it with your friends, family, neighbors, mailmen, someone at your next game, whoever you think would like hockey and likes podcasts. Uh, finally, I'd like to extend a final thank you to our sponsor, Document Doctors. And until next time in 2024, I hope that we all see our teams win and we all 
uh, enjoy the holiday break. Bye.